Well, I was floating around the internet, and I ran across uh, a book, Making Long Island a History of Growth and the American Dream, and that authored by Lawrence R. Samuel. Larry, nice enough to give us a couple of minutes uh, here Thank on a you. Wednesday morning. Uh, Mr. Samuel, it is great having you. Do you mind me calling you Larry? That's my name. Thank you. That that would be best. That's what my friends call me. So. <laughs> It, that would be good. It would be great calling you that. My brother's name is that, so we will stay with it. So there you go. Um, okay. Give me a sense here. The history, the development of the island, a lot of relationships mm-hmm. with uh, New York City. And, you know, you go back in the book, uh, you know, in the in the Roaring Twenties, uh, you have a lot of money on Wall Street. Uh, people looking eastward, both counties, the Hamptons and everything else. It's got a rich yeah. history, to say the least. Give me a sense of this. How did you get into it? Right. Well, it is. It's a. It's a big, complex history. It's fascinating. I grew up in Woodmere, and uh, in the '60s and '70s, and uh, so it, there was a personal connection to the book. But I'm also, you know, a historian. So uh, I felt that uh, the book w- was needed, and uh, I, I started in the '20s because that is really, as you said, when um, developers began looking eastward. A lot of they were making uh, a lot of money in the at Wall Street, and they felt they could make even more money by developing land. And um, you know, Westchester, New Jersey, was part of that, but Long Island was was almost like a blank slate. There were you know f- fishermen and and uh, the East Enders, the wealthy elite, of course, were there on on the Gold Coast. But um, there was a lot of land to be developed, and there was a, a, a burgeoning middle class that were ready to to buy. Five thousand to eight thousand dollar homes, and so that's what happened. That was the first wave in the twenties. You know, we all think of Levittown, but that was really the second wave after World War II. It happened much earlier than that. So I wanted to tell that yeah. story. Yeah, you're one hundred percent right. Having a sister that lives in that Wantaw area with a Levittown house uh, transformed mm-hmm. over the years. I know what you're talking about, Levittown people, uh, folks. Is really you know one of the starters. Uh, you know, when you think about Levittown mm-hmm. and everything else, you know, you go back. You go back, Larry, to the Great Depression uh, and World War II, and the island was really the site, you know, the post-war kind of American suburb. When you think about it, you think of Levittown, right? Yeah, it became iconic. It, it became the template, the model for uh, similar community, communities all across the country, even the world, you could say. Um so, uh, you know, that that was a great story, but I sort of bookend that with what happened before that and what happened with af- after that using the American dream as the hook, the classic American dream as, you know, the, the, the white picket fence with all the consumer trappings. That wasn't actually the original idea of the American dream when a guy named John, uh, James Truslow Adams came up with this, uh, the term in the early 30s, you know, during the worst days of the Depression. But uh, in the 50s, it evolved to that idea that that's still with us today. And uh, I go through the 60s and 70s when that dream sort of ran out of steam as the economy did. Um, so that's 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 where where I end the book. But 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 I have a, a happy note at the end. I say there's a new and improved American dream emerging, different than the one that we think of in the 50s mm. and Eisenhower one. It's uh, much more accommodating to different kinds of people. A uh, book came out by Larry Samuel last month, Making Long Island, A History of Growth uh, and the American Dream. You know, we talk about Lev- Levittown, Larry, the spinoff, the <laughs> suburban, 
the suburbanites and everything else. You know, that was kind of the symbol, as you mentioned, this this uh, this American dream, so to speak. You know, uh, you know, <laughs> at back then, I mean, it's great to talk about affordable home ownership. Much different than what we got right now. Uh, yeah, and that for the predominantly middle class. You know, the white middle class and. And that's what was established way back, you know, when you think about it. Yes. If you were a veteran, and that's who Levitt sold, his uh, first rented, actually, the house to, and then decided to sell them, you could get a, a, a you could be in a house with your family for $90 down. Um, you know, that, that doesn't happen anymore. Um, and the, 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 the monthly mortgage payments were small. Um, so those days are unlikely to happen again. But yes, it was forged around uh, the white middle class. Uh, Levittown, like many other communities, were redlined. That means that uh, people of color were not allowed to rent or uh, to buy a house there. Some snuck in somehow through subletting. There were a few families that got into Levittown in the early days. Um, but but uh, Clause 25 uh, limited uh, the, the prospectus to... to to white families, and that's a big part of the story that I that I that I include in my book. Yep, and you know, you even go back into the start of the '60s, where mm-hmm. you know this this uh, American dream uh, mm-hmm. pretty much uh, you know was starting to evaporate somewhat, Larry. When you think about it, you know, you had post right. war, you had the the economics kind of kind of losing a little bit of luster there. Uh, you had all that was going on with the protests and everything else, Vietnam and whatnot. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you you had a lot going on here, but that's when you know you you saw the erosion of some of this stuff. Yeah, that, and that's where that's that's what was taking place when I grew up uh, in Nassau County in the '60s. It, it was chaos, um, yeah. basically, because there was a lot going on. Um, you know, the economy is tanking and basically people like me, baby boomers were partly to blame because we, we sort of drained the system of, of resources. The schools weren't prepared. And so taxes went up and up and up. Utility companies were strained. And, uh, you combine that with stagflation of the early seventies with, uh, the recession and low growth and, and you had issues. Uh, the traffic was getting worse and worse. Even before the LIE was completed, they were calling it the Long Island Distressway and the world's largest parking lot. So that didn't solve the problem that Robert Moses thought it would. He you know, thought if we keep building roads, uh, eventually the traffic will dissolve, and, and that never really happened, as you guys probably can attest to more than me. No question. Um, no question. Yeah. You know, we... We are three million people out here, Larry. Do you think Moses had any thought in mind when he did all this and the infrastructure and everything else? Did he have have any thought in mind way back that maybe Long Island would be okay if it was its own state, right. be part of the state, be part of the union of the United States? You know, I mean, let's face it, Long Island is bigger uh, than some right. states. I mean, uh, let's face it. Did he have ever a notion of that? You know, I, I don't think he thought more of cars than people. That was his problem. I mean, he was brilliant, and he, you know, got things done. But he was definitely, he just loved roads and, and parks and bridges and the infrastructure. So I think he was more interested in that. I do tell the story about the bridge that never happened, that uh, that the Suffolk uh, leaders were, were pushing for, because they were, you know, they're sort of stranded out there. They're, you've got Nassau to the west and the ocean all around them, and they felt that a bridge leading to New England, to either Rhode Island or Connecticut, 
would lead to even further growth. Um, but the cost was too much, and there were major construction issues. So that that hasn't happened yet. It might one day in the future. I don't know. You might know if there's still talk about that. I think there is, but they felt that would be um, a, a way for for Suffolk to keep developing. Um, but hasn't happened yep. yet. Yeah, it would be a big, yeah. very long bridge. <laughs> Yeah, no question. Larry Samuel with us. What a great book, folks. Came out last month. It's really uh, about the embryonic stages uh, of uh, of Long Island as far as how everything came about. Making Long Island a history of growth in the American dream by Larry. Um, you know, it's kind of got ebbs and flows, the island, as far as what yeah. we're seeing, even of recent nature, pandemic, people... Uh, you know, pretty much exiting uh, New York City for for those parts of the island. And, you know, you look at home prices and everything else. Nassau is well over 700,000 median price. Suffolk's in the high fives to near six, uh, Larry. And you have seen, you know, even when we reported today, you had 23,000 added the island tax base uh, from those uh, of other parts. And, you know, even to this day, with all that's going on with the state and the city and everything else, you know, people still flock to the island with all its faults and whatnot. Taxes and everything exactly. else through the roof, we get it. But there is a sense of of tranquility still as far as how Long Island is perceived. Uh, you know, I totally agree. And um, I, I just did a couple of talks on Long Island, took the train out, and it's it's quite a different place than it was when, when I grew up, uh, which is a good thing. You know, there's a lot of immigrants coming in, uh, revitalizing communities, and you know what? It's as beautiful as ever. You know, uh, I saw places that it, it could have looked like it did a hundred years ago. You know, with some of the ponds and lakes and the beaches. You know, your the Big Apple is is close. You've got beaches to the north, you know, south and, and east. Uh, the fundamentals of Long Island are very strong, despite all you know all the economic issues. Um, so I think it's it's in a good place, believe it or not. You know, I'm going against grain, up against some naysayers. I, I really feel like it's the fundamentals are strong. It's a beautiful place to live. You got good neighbors. You got backyards. The schools are good. The public schools. You can't say that about a lot of places. So um, I, I'm 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 bullish on the place. I, I don't think I was when I was growing up at Woodmere. I look, you know, I want to be in the city. I want to be in New York, Manhattan. I could see it on a clear day. <laughs> Um, but yeah. now I don't take it for granted. Now, now I recognize uh, how beautiful uh, Long Island was and is. It's got a lot to offer. You being from the five towns, uh, listen, I grew up in Bayside, Queens. Folks moved mm-hmm. out to Massapequa many, many years ago. Uh, I lived in Limbrook. I lived in Ronkonkoma. I lived in Rocky Point. I mean, listen, there is a lot to offer. Raising a family second to none. You mentioned, you know, the beaches, the pumpkins, the strawberries, the concerts. Uh, and it's got a lot. You even look at today's world. We have casinos. Who would have thunk that, right? We got a casino in Islandia about to have one of the old Nassau Coliseum. You look at the resurrection of projects uh, with hubs and shopping and office I mean, it is a different Long Island as far as what we will see in the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah, it's really evolving. It's a roller coaster ride. You know, naturally it's going to have, have, have dips, but it, it has ups too, and, and that's really the story. Um, you know, I go back, I tell the story about World War II, which is a fascinating story unto itself, when there were German U-boats offshore, and... Uh, four German sailors actually made land in Amagansett, which is a fascinating story unto itself. So there's a lot of twists and turns. 
no question. That's mentioning a, a thriving airport of its own that is uh, second to none. And a lot of people, you know, say, hey, you don't need to go to LaGuardia Kennedy anymore. You got McGarvey Airport. I want to talk about. Uh, listen, I recommend it highly. Uh, Lawrence Samuel's book, Making Long Island a History of Growth uh, and the American Dream, a fascinating read. Larry, I'm so glad I found you, and we can't thank you enough for popping on with us. Thanks for the time, Jay. Appreciate it. Oh, you stay well. We'll talk, to you. we'll talk soon. Oh. You got it. That's uh, that's a great book I recommend. I really do.